0: Chapter One of Dorothy Dixon and the Mystery Plain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susan Morin. Portland, Maine Dorothy Dixon and the Mystery Plane by Dorothy Wayne At the Beach Club Here he comes again, Dot! Terry Walters balanced on the edge of the Beach Club float and pointed upward toward the approaching airplane. Dorothy Dixon, bobbed up beside the raft, blew the water from her nose, and reached a long tanned arm for the young man's ankle. "'Here you come into the drink, you mean,' she gurgled. Terry yelped, lost balance, and recovered desperately, dived over her head. His departure rocked the float so that Phil Stanton's lanky figure poised on the diving-board lurched and fell awkwardly into the water. Betty Mayo, hugging her damp knees on the middle of the float, shrieked her approval of this double exploit. "'Swell work, Dorothy,' she laughed, as the young lady pulled herself aboard. "'You'll catch it in a minute, though.' dorothy stood up her scarlet bathing cap flamed against the ash blue sky and her wetsuit clung to her slender form like a sheath of black lacquer maybe then in quite a different tone goodness betty he's missing betty sprang to her feet you're crazy she retorted as she caught sight of phil and terry knifing their way back to the float Why'd you try to scare me? Those boys are all right. But Dorothy was staring skyward. Not the boys. I mean the plane, Betty. Over there beyond the clubhouse. His engine's missing. Bet you an ice cream cone he'll have to land. No, you won't, Betty flashed back. I don't know a thing about airplanes, and I'll take your word for it oh dorothy do you think he'll hit the roof oh he's all right yes he's over the roof now but look betty's voice rose to a shriek he's aiming the plane straight for us he'll hit this float the last word was no more than a gurgle betty had dived overside dorothy did not trouble to turn her head with her bare feet firmly planted on the timbers her straight body balanced easily to the float's gentle rocking she gazed interestedly at the big amphibian sweeping down toward her on came the plane losing altitude with every split second and sailed over her head a bare thirty feet above the water then as she faced about to watch it land the tail of her eye caught sight of terry hauling himself over the edge of the float get you for that last one he cried and scrambled to his feet who laughs last you know i know mocked dorothy evading his grasp and running up the springboard she dived and her body entered the water with scarcely a sound as she rose she turned lazily on her back come and get me she tantalized then as she saw him start in pursuit she rolled over and headed out toward the seaplane which now floated two or three hundred yards away toward the mouth of the inlet and long island sound "'Terry knew the speed developed by her flagrantly perfect crawl "'and did not attempt to follow her. "'He chuckled as he watched the bob of scarlet "'and the flash of a brown arm. "'That was all he could see of Dorothy. "'Hey, where's Dorothy?' called Betty "'as she and Phil clambered on to the raft. "'Halfway to Boston, I guess. "'Race you to the beach for the cones.' All three cut the rumpled surface of the water with a single splash. Dorothy's interest in the airplane that had just landed was twofold. Since qualifying for her private's pilot license earlier in the summer, she had met most of the owners of planes living in or near New Canaan. To the best of her knowledge, the loaning amphibian which her father had given her for Rounding up the Martinelli gang was the only one of that model privately owned in that part of Connecticut. That the plane lying just ahead on the water was a duplicate of her own meant that the owner was not a local person. Dorothy was a keen aviatrix and proud of her Airbus. She wanted to compare notes with the owner of this amphibian she was also curious to learn where the plane came from and why every day for the past few weeks it had appeared over the club at about the same time of an afternoon at five thirty sharp the crowd of young people on the beach would see it a speck in the north coming from over the ridge country back of the sound flying at an altitude of not more than five hundred feet it would swing over the beach club and cross the sound to disappear in the ether toward the dim line of the long island shore terry jokingly termed it the mystery plane he told Dorothy that its owner makes these daily flights in order to show her how a plane should be managed in the air. She usually returned his good-natured teasing with interest, but each time she saw the amphibian, her curiosity increased as she swam nearer it was plain that this airship was actually the same stock model as her own with the retractable landing wheels drawn up the spoon-shaped hull of the biplane with its two open cockpits aft of the inverted engine floated easily on the water the aviator she saw was busily engaged in going over his engine "'Dorothy stopped swimming when she was a few yards from the amphibian. "'Hello there,' she called, treading the water. "'Need any help?' "'The man looked up from his work, evidently perceiving her for the first time. "'Dorothy was surprised to see that the face below the soft helmet and goggles was bearded to the eyes. "'No, thank you,' he answered, and went on tinkering with the motor.' The words, although courteous enough, were spoken in a tone that showed plainly that he wished to end the conversation then and there. Dorothy was persistent and not easily discouraged. "'Located the trouble?' she asked. "'Not yet,' he replied, without lifting his head. "'Looks like loose manifold or gas connection to me.' There was no reply to this helpful suggestion. She began swimming toward the plane again. Mind if I come aboard, she called. The bearded aviator straightened his back and faced her again, his right hand grasping a monkey wrench. No, I do not wish it, he flared. Why for do you bother me? Keep off, I tell you. For the first time, the girl in the water noticed his strong foreign accent. "Aren't you polite?" she mocked. "I don't suppose you'll mind if I come alongside and rest a moment. You stay where you are, young woman, as the man's anger grew, his accent became stronger. I have no time to bother with you go away and stop away but i just want i don't care what you want come alongside and i'll use this wrench on you oh no you won't terry walters slipped around the engine and tripped up the aviator Before that irate person knew what was happening, he found himself flat on his back with a hundred and sixty pounds of young American kneeling on his chest, menacing him with his own monkey-wrench. "'That's not a nice way to talk to a lady,' Terry remarked dispassionately, eyeing his victim." Ask her pardon like a good little boy. Do it quickly, my friend, or I'll plant this wrench in the middle of that bush you call a face. I didn't mean nothing, the man grunted. Try again, Terry whacked his captive shin with the wrench. Also try to cut the double negatives. Our English teacher says they're bad form and... "'Terry's banter stopped with a yelp of pain "'as the man's head jerked upward "'and his teeth snapped on the hand which held the wrench. "'Dorothy, who had swum to within a few feet of the amphibian, "'saw Terry thrown to one side. "'Like cats, the boy and the man seemed to land on their feet, "'but now it was the strange aviator who held the monkey wrench.' Look out, Terry, shrieked the girl as she saw the man's arm swing upward. The small deck forward of the lower wing section was far too narrow to permit dodging. Terry did the only thing possible under the circumstances to save himself. Three seasons on the football team of the new Canaan High had made the young man a quick thinker, he dove below the swinging blow and tackled the aviator just above his knees. It was a well-aimed tackle, and the two went hurtling overside to disappear with a splash. Terry's blond head was first to appear. Then, as the aviators came popping up, facing the other way young walters seized him by the shoulders and sent him under once more let the man alone terry commanded dorothy can't you see he swallowed half the sound but he'd have brained me with that wrench dot i'll dot you if you take liberties with my first name miss dixon shook her fist above her head anyway it's my fault i butted in that man and his plane are none of our business they were swimming back toward the float now and a glance over her shoulder told dorothy that their late antagonist was pulling himself aboard the amphibian terry saw him too and waved a hand but the foreigner, occupied in wringing water out of his clothes, disregarded them. I've had enough of the water for one day, declared Dorothy between strokes. How's the wrist? You might have been badly hurt, Terry. Terry motioned toward the float. But I wasn't, old thing, he chuckled. Come over to the raft a moment before we go ashore. I've got something I want to show you. "'Make it snappy, then,' she rejoined. "'You and I have got to be at the silver mine by seven-thirty, you know. "'Curtain up at eight-thirty, and you'll remember what Mr. Watkins said about any of the cast being late.' "'Terry swung himself up on the decking and gave a hand to Dorothy. "'I'm only a chorus-man,' he grinned. "'We'll both get to the sillies in time. "'Look at this!' "'He opened his hand and held it out, palm upward. "'I'm not interested in seaweed.' "'Dorothy's tone was full of disgust. "'Seaweed nothing. "'That's a piece of your friend's beard. "'You don't mean to tell me you pulled it out. "'Not out, dearie. "'Off! "'That wasn't his own hair that lad was wearing. "'A false beard?' "'What else?' "'Dorothy pursed her lips. "'Well, that amphibian and its pilot are two of the most mysterious things I've ever run into. "'I wonder what he's up to, Dot. "'I mean Dorothy. "'I wonder, too. "'By the way, how did you happen out there? "'And just at the right minute?' "'I thought I saw you start a race for the beach with Betty and Phil.' "'Terry nodded his wet head and laughed. "'That was only a bluff to make you think I wasn't coming after you. "'As I saw you were having an argument with him, "'and I didn't like the way he was acting, "'I swum around the tail of his plane "'and got aboard on the farther deck and, well, you know the rest.' WHY DID YOU WANT TO GO ABOARD? CURIOSITY, PURE AND SIMPLE. HAVE YOU ANY IDEA WHY HE FLIES OVER THE CLUB NEARLY EVERY AFTERNOON AND ALWAYS AT THE SAME TIME? NO, HAVE YOU? NOT THE DIMMEST. BUT NOW THAT I KNOW FRIEND PILOT WEARS FALSE WHISKERS, I'M CERTAINLY INTRIGUED. Come again, frowned Terry. I didn't get that last one. Did you say intrigued? Cut the clowning. This is serious, Terry. That fellow is up to some mischief, or he wouldn't disguise himself. Behind them the amphibians injured, sputtered, then roared. I've got an idea," said Terry, as the two watched the plane taxi out toward the takeoff. "Why don't you get your bus and follow that bird some afternoon? I've already decided to do it tomorrow. Want to come? You bet. How do you expect to work it? Look here, if we're going to make that show on time, we'd better go right now. We'll make our plans later. Come along." Their bodies cut the water with hardly a splash as they raced for the beach. Out in the inlet, the amphibian rose gracefully into the air and headed into the mist which was creeping up Long Island Sound. End of Chapter 1